So uh, let's open up to Jeremiah chapter 31. I'm going to talk about lead of the spirit. Uh, it's not a metal, it's being lead. Um, so lead of the spirit. And we'll just start in Jeremiah chapter 31. So uh, I read this passage out a lot. Um, It's the wonderful prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 31 and start in verse 31. And it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, or in other words, his chosen people, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I'll make, excuse me, with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbour and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I'll remember their sin no more. So it's awesome, awesome prediction here uh, about uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's like in the old days, there was this, um, this covenant that was made between God and his people called Israel and and that was clearly articulated at Mount Sinai where um, where the people Israel responded and said, yes, we'll follow you. And so they entered that covenant willingly. Over time they broke it and, uh, and it says that even though uh, God was a husband, uh, he called his people Israel his wife and there's many, uh, like in the Minor Prophets, he refers to the heartache of his wife being uh, unfaithful. And so there was this uh, great bond there, but people broke it. And, uh, and here's this wonderful promise where in the future that it'll be different, that the, um, his law uh, will be on their inward parts and he'll write it in their hearts and he'll be their God and they'll be my people. And, and it says there they'll teach no more every man his neighbour and every man his brother. It's like uh, I read that and it's, it's like it'll become natural uh, for people to uh, know or understand what God wants. Um, and so, yeah, the title of this talk is uh, Lead of the Spirit. Now, it, it's a peculiar thing because like, it, it, it's awesome, these three verses. But I've often thought about it that we had to have someone explain to us what the Lord wanted for us to do. We, we couldn't determine it ourselves. I mean, I, I still can't believe I read Acts 2.38 and I highlighted it in my Bible. I had the Holy Spirit. Of course, I didn't know, but I didn't figure it out. I needed someone to come and tell me. Um, and so it's, it's a funny thing. It's like the Lord wants to lead his people The Lord wants his people to be led of the Spirit. The Lord wants them to seek him. 
The Lord wants his people to read the word and apply it in their lives. The Lord wants them to pray in the spirit so that he can nurture them and teach them so that they have an instinct that they never had without the spirit. Um, so I've got this note here and it's like life was supposed to be like that. But, and I'm putting it out there, but it often isn't, right? And we all know it from our experiences. We have a desire to follow, but then things happen. Like we, uh, we can't quite figure out what the Spirit wants us to do and um, we need teaching and uh, guidance uh, and that's, that's what the church is all about, you know, and uh, we've got help from people and, and we've got the word. But it's like... <coughs> There's, but the God, God's plan and, and desire is for us to be led of the Spirit. Um, and what happens is, and we'll go through, uh, of course, some more scriptures, is like life becomes encumbered. Um, we, uh, we've got things to do. Um, we, we have to uh, live on this earth, and um, so we encumber our life with things and and that's fine that's what it's meant to be as well like it's why we live here on earth it's, we have these encumbrances that we need to deal with but the thing is those encumbrances can cloud the moving of the spirit now i um i always as you know i'm I mean, I agree with Lynn, like very black and white, you know, and uh, the black's way over there and the white's way over there. <laughs> and it's, it's just, um, and so the, the, the leading of the spirit, it sounds nebulous to me, you know, and um, it's through experience and things happening in our lives that we can see, okay, that's how the spirit leads us. Um, so it's, it's what God wants is for us, and life is supposed to be, us being led of the Spirit, but also life entails being encumbered, which clouds the moving of the Spirit. Um, and it's human nature to be encumbered. Um, so we'll go to uh, some examples of where life was incredible. Uh, Acts chapter 2, like where we just don't see people living like this. Acts chapter 2. And we'll start in verse 37. Uh, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that first time, we're about 120 received the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. Peter stood up and explained it all, what it all meant. He drew upon scriptures, um, even obscure scriptures, to explain it. And we get to uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. A wonderful promise. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. 
Then they that gladly received his word were baptised, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. It was just an amazing testimony of people's lives being changed and, uh, and doing the right thing. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So it was just an incredible situation. Thousands of people had all things common. And, um, and it says here they met every day. Every single day. Um, breaking bread, so that's communion. Every day. They went from house to house, breaking bread, having communion. We can't imagine that. Like we are encumbered as is needed. And um, we, we here in Bunbury, like because of our busyness, we don't have meetings on Friday nights anymore. And even Wednesday nights is, is tough. You know, we're all tired then, but we have a desire to come together. And it's just, could you imagine meeting every day? We have a different lifestyle to this. And this whole thing of um, selling possessions and goods and distributing, as that's just uh, a, so, a concept that's so far from what would work here for us. Um, and this is just as people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll go to Acts chapter 4. You know, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold. So this here is just this bizarre purity about these people following God. Today, that's not going to work. We have these encumbrances, and and um, you know, like uh, as I said, I was very, I am very black and white, <clears throat> and I never liked the term balance. <laughs> balance doesn't work when you're a black and white person. <laughs> It's either that or that. There's no balance. But um, this is what I'm trying to go through now is I realise it's a balance. <laughs> we have to balance. We have to balance the leading of the spirit, which is just this amazing purity, which is what God wants, and we have to balance it with the encumbrances that we have in life. Accept it. It's a fact. 
It's what we have. It's what we need. We have these encumbrances and we have to balance it. It's that balancing act to get it right and guaranteed you'll get it wrong, but you'll bring it back. You'll get it wrong again. It'll be a pendulum swinging back and forth, but that's the way it is, okay? And that's the, that's the challenge is for us to overcome, keep at it, get the balance right, swing it back, back and forth. Sometimes we might be completely led by the Spirit and our head's in the clouds and yabba-dabba-doo, what's amazing, but hey, wait a minute, we're neglecting stuff here on earth. Bring it back. And the other thing is we get encumbered a bit much, bring it back. And so it's this balance thing that, uh, that we're a part of. We've got the Spirit and we're still in the flesh. Like we, we still have this tabernacle um, that, uh, that we... We're leading this life and to try to get that balance right. And uh, also not to be disheartened that, hey, look, we're not leading a life like this described in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. Oh, you know, oh, that'd be great in theory. I mean, they had their problems as well. We know that. But this is what we have now. So let's try to get the balance right uh, and be rejoicing uh, uh, before the Lord. So let's go to Genesis chapter 31. Now, Genesis chapter 31. Bring a couple of examples. These people, you would think, simple people, living in tents, wandering around. Yay, that's simple. There's no computers. There's no, I don't know, stuff. You're just in a tent and you're walking around. It's easy. Sounds easy. But it's human nature to lead a life encumbered. That's the way it is. Genesis 31 and verse 17. So this here is the story of uh, Jacob. He's uh, been working for 14 years with his father-in-law and uh, there was shonky stuff going on there from both parties. Uh, but Jacob knew that he was chosen of God and it comes to a point where he has to, has to leave. And it's a long journey. Um, so verse 17. Genesis 31 and verse 17. Then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels. And he carried away all his cattle and all, all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting which he had gotten in Padan Aram, for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian, in that he told him not that he fled. Right? So here's the introduction. It's uh, Jacob running away, but there's this point that Rachel decided to steal the images that were her father's. These uh, aren't paintings or photographs. Well, they could be, I suppose, but they're little statues, engravings, gods. Over to our verse 25. Oh, sorry, down to verse 25. Then Laban overtook Jacob, Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. So Laban chased after them. Verse 30. And now, though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou saw longest after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my goods? So Laban rocks up and says, okay, fair enough. You have to go. (coughs) Go back to your father's house, but why steal my gods? And Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, sorry, down to verse 32, sorry, apologies, verse 32. 
With whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Now, if uh, Jacob knew who had the gods, he wouldn't have said that. Before our brethren, discern thou what is thine with me. In other words, what have I taken that is yours? And take it to thee. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent. So he searched all through the tent and into Leah's tent and into the two maidservants' tent, but he found them not. Then went he out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the images and put them in the camel's furniture and sat upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my lord, that I cannot rise up before thee, for the custom of women is upon me. And he searched, but found not the images. And Jacob was wroth and chode with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Whereas thou hast searched all my stuff, turned it all upside down, what hast thou found of all thy household stuff? Set it here before my brethren and thy brethren, that they may judge betwixt us both. So Rachel was saved there. So what I'm talking about is encumbrances. So for some reason, Rachel still wanted to carry this God around. You know, she was looking forward to a new life, uh, looking forward to a, a life blessed of the Lord with a husband that's chosen of God, a descendant of Abraham. Her children will become the house of Israel. Blessed people. I mean, Rachel had vision. Oh, sorry, not Rachel. Um, uh, Jacob had visions and dreams to reassure him. Laban even had a dream uh, before um, he went to pursue them. And yet, it was human nature. Rachel carried these gods with her, encumbered her, brought this thing on that got in the way of her being led by the Spirit. Okay? Another example, Exodus chapter 11. Another group of people living in tents, thinking it'll be a simple thing. Exodus chapter 11. So the Lord still blessed Rachel, still blessed Rachel's children. Um, Her walk was a bit iffy. It was Leah that had uh, an amazing vision out of the two wives. Um, But the Lord still blessed them. And uh, Rachel had that encumbrance, but Leah did not have that encumbrance. So here in Exodus chapter 11 and verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbour and every woman of her neighbour jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Um, And the Lord gave the people favour in the sight of the Egyptians, Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt. He was well regarded in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So this interesting thing here that I've highlighted, that God will pour a blessing out on his chosen people. They will carry away the riches of Egypt. Okay? These are jewels and of gold and silver. And then we go to verse, sorry, chapter 12 and verse 35. 
chapter 12 and verse 35. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favour in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoilt the Egyptians. <laughs> Amazing. The, this was a, a phenomenal blessing of the Lord. The Lord desired to bless his people. It's like, I'm sending you to this promised land, and hey, look, take everything. You know, I'll open the windows of heaven onto your life and take all these things, these wonderful riches, and he does that for us today. You know, he opens the windows of heaven today. It's like, yes, we get these riches and these, these, um, these things that you can touch and feel to help us out in this life. And, uh, and this was a blessing of the Lord. The Lord wanted the land of Egypt to give the Israelites these things for them to take away and glorify the, the Lord with, to glorify him with. Over to our chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. So this blessing of the Lord, it's wonderful. What rejoicing. You can imagine they're talking to each other and they're saying, can you believe this? We, we, we don't have enough boxes to carry it all in. Amazing. And they're carrying it around through the wilderness, living in tents, and they ended up being encumbered. Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. Exodus 32 and verse 1, and it says here, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, that's Mount Sinai, where he's receiving the law, he's receiving the law of God, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the gold earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. All that jewellery that the Egyptians gave you, all that jewellery and wealth that the Lord blessed you with, take it off and give it to me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which are in their ears and brought them unto Aaron, and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graven tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast of the Lord. And they rose up early in the morrow, on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. This amazing blessing that the Lord poured upon his chosen people was turned into an encumbrance, was turned into a God. Uh, it was getting in the way of the leading of the Spirit. Now, 
We today are blessed by stuff. It's obvious. Look at your lives. Um, Lord wants to bless us in the same way. Okay? And the challenge and the balance is not to turn those things into our priority, into our gods, you know, and, uh, and that's it's, it's an ancient thing. This here happened roughly 2,000 years before Christ. So that's 4,000 years ago. It's an ancient problem. It's the problem of mankind. We grab gods with us and we carry gods with us. We turn God's blessing into a god. Um, it's that balance thing, right? And, uh, and that's the challenge, to look to the Spirit. God wants to lead us of the Spirit, like he proclaimed in Jeremiah 31. And we have these other things that can cloud that. And the challenge is to step back and say, no, that's not my priority. My priority is to be led of the Spirit. And I was just thinking about this. It's like, um, I think all of you know I'm peripherally involved in building roads. And when you're building roads, there's what's known as constraints, right? So you've got to build a road and... There are things that inhibit the ideal, right? So, for example, you might have an intersection which has, is very dangerous. There's a lot of crashes. And ideally, you'd build bridges. and We call it a grade-separated intersection. You put big bridges and stuff. But there's constraints that stop you from doing the ideal. And things like budget, money, uh, you, you, you can only build something that costs what's been allocated. So that's a constraint. Uh, land, uh, you, there's a constraint in how much land you can acquire to do what you need to do. You know, like uh, you might have a, a two-lane road and you want to build like a six-lane road, but that, no, wait a minute, we can't get the land. The environment is a constraint. Um, there's uh, like rare species of plants and rare species of animals that we want to preserve. Um, there's also things like uh, swamps, you know, flooding problems, and those are constraints that you've, you've got to deal with. Underground services is a big one, like underground power, water, sewer, all those things that are underground. They are a constraint that inhibit uh, what you want to do or they change what you can do. Uh, materials, uh, like with roads, there's bitumen and gravel and sand and limestone and oh, I could wax lyrical paint, glass beads, you know, all sorts of materials, fuel. Uh, it depends on the supply of those, the cost of those. Um, and so there are constraints and it's the same with our life. We, in our mind and our desire is to be purely led by the Spirit, but there are constraints. And... Um, I thought of a couple, uh, there are other commitments, you know, like uh, there, there are other commitments that we have to meet. Um, our mind uh, itself, you know, uh, what we think and uh, how we go about things, our mind is a constraint. Our values can get in the way as well. Um, we have uh, very strong values which are neither right nor wrong, they just get in the way. Uh, work, work's the classic constraint. Um, we get tired, that's another constraint. Um, and circumstances, you're in circumstances, it's a constraint. So the point I'm making is it's fine. There are constraints. There always will be. But please get the balance right. Look to the Lord and 
Lord wants to lead us by the Spirit. Um, and we've, it's within ourselves, our constraints. And uh, um, when you're around other people uh, closely, they highlight to you very quickly what your constraints are. <laughs> and, uh, and so be receptive of that because uh, they get in the way of you being led of the Spirit. 1 Kings chapter 19. I read the, a, part, well, a bit more of this out on Wednesday. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And verse 11. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 11. So I'm picking out a bit here, a bit of dialogue between Elijah and the Lord. Elijah at this stage had run away from the king of King Ahab of Israel who wanted him dead. <clears throat> so there's more in this story, of course, but I'll just pick a couple of verse out, verses out of it. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 11. Uh, the Lord, it says, and he, the Lord, said unto Elijah, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so. When Elijah heard it, he hearkened unto that still, small voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him that said, What doest thou here, Elijah? The Lord spoke to Elijah with that still, small voice. And he's still doing it today. He's still speaking to us with that still, small voice. He's not speaking to us with lightning and thunder and uh, he's not speaking to us by breaking rocks and uh, fire and all that sort of thing. He's speaking to us through a still, small voice and that's the Holy Spirit in us trying to lead us and guide us. And uh, for us to be receptive of that still, small voice is the challenge to get that balance right so that uh, we can hear that still small voice and be led of the Spirit. Um, and that comes with experience. We get things wrong, we get things right. That's the way it is. But the Lord wants us to listen to that still small voice. <clears throat> Praying, reading, fellowshipping, speaking to other saints during the week <coughs> helps us to stay focused on uh, what that still small voice might be. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, penultimate scripture. Acts chapter 16 and verse 4. Acts chapter 16 and verse 4. It's a little story of Paul. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. So he was going around the known world and going to all the churches about the decrees, basically the guidelines of what to follow, because uh, there was a, an issue of 
an argument over circumcision and, uh, and they came back to uh, comfort everyone with these guidelines uh, that were uh, particular to the culture at the time. Verse 5, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So it was great revival. Now when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. So it's like they went to Phrygia and Galatia, but they wanted to keep going uh, further east. And somehow the Holy Ghost forbade them. There might have been all sorts of ways the Holy Ghost, they may, just may not have had any baptisms or revival, forbade them from going further. Um, verse 7, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed or tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Again, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. They, they were being led of the Holy Ghost here. Um, verse 8, And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now this is a bit weird, you know, having a vision. And uh, look, it's open to... Uh, Corruption, as people do, and we hear that today, but we have it here in the Bible. Paul had a vision or a dream during the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Right? The Spirit's leading Paul. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavoured to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, this is interesting. It's like they tried twice to preach the word in uh, other places but were forbidden. And then Paul has this dream. And it's like, wow, imagine the excitement. It's like, oh, we see this amazing revival. We're trying to go there. Oh, disappointing. We try to go there. Ah, oh, that didn't work out. What does the Lord want us to do? And he's like, wow, we've got this dream. Wow, this is probably the Holy Ghost. Let's go with excitement. This is where the Lord wants us. And so they assuredly gathering the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them in Macedonia. Verse 11. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to uh, Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. So this thing of being led by the Holy Spirit led to the church at Philippi, which is the Philippian church. And Paul wrote a letter to them, as we know, the Philippian, uh, the, book, uh, the book of Philippians. And so this is how the Holy Spirit was leading them and they were receptive to it. Okay, The Lord leads us today and we have to be careful because sometimes our own uh, well, like I said, our own constraints, our own values, our own mind, you know, our circumstances can cloud that. And I've had plenty of experience in that. Uh, but the Lord wants to lead us. Um, just to add to that, um, a bloke called Graham Black, he's the one who witnessed to me in the hardware store. Uh, not everybody here knows him. But um, I, I, I remember... Because I, I worked um, in his hardware store, uh, just he, he was great, just helping me out while I was studying. He also gave me another job he, uh, as a contact mowing lawns and so forth, which was really good. But anyway, while I was working there, I remember he came into the hardware store and he goes, 
I had this thought. <laughs> what? Whatever. What do you mean thought? And because um, he he owned this hardware store in um, in Nedlands Broadway Shopping Centre, and he said he was just lying in bed and he had this thought of um, changing the ownership of the hardware store, going into partnership with someone else's hardware store further down the road. And he, his thought, what, and he, he true, I mean, he'd been in the Lord for many years by this stage. And of course, I was only a young fellow. I'm thinking it's weird. You know, well, he had a thought and it's of the Lord. He said it was totally of the Lord. And so we went down this path of uh, approaching this other person, sorting out this partnership thing and, and all these things for his hardware store. And then um, he died. And so it was the Lord that set it up for Cherie. It's just amazing, isn't it? It's like if he hadn't done that, Cherie could have been out on a limb. And, uh, and so this thought Graham knew was from the Lord and it was amazing. <laughs> he was led of the Spirit. It's just amazing what the Spirit does. And, uh, and you just... Um, you just, yeah, like through experience you can see it. And that's the thing. We make mistakes, we get it right, we get it wrong, we get it right, we get it wrong. And over time we're, we're more perceptive uh, with that. So, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. Finish up. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. So um, I was quickly humbled when I thought to myself, that's weird, <laughs> when it uh, came to pass. So uh, wonderfully like that. Um, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Something for us all to remember. Words of Jesus Christ. Matthew 11 verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All these people, all of us who have things to do, we've got uh, work to do, we've got uh, a, a body that gets tired, we've got commitments, um, and we think we're heavy laden. And come to him, come to Jesus Christ, and he'll give you rest. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, the thing is, we carry burdens and sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. Um, it come, the Lord wants to get to us to a point saying, that's a burden I'm carrying. I'm encumbered by this burden. Lord, can you carry it for me? Um, and I've only recently found a burden, uh, discovered a burden that I've been carrying that um, I... And it's just like, right, okay, I've got to get on my knees and say, Lord, can you carry it for me? The Lord wants to carry these things for us so we're not encumbered, so that these things don't end up being this God in our back pocket or this God that we worship and take our eyes off him and we're not being led of the Spirit. Okay, thank you.